Hello and welcome to The Joy of Marketing with me, Andrew Veach. It's great to be back after our break. Uh, I hope you missed us. And we're coming back in style with Jay Wright, the CEO of Virgin Wines, a brand I'm sure you've all heard of. Sometimes the search is quite hard work, but I can honestly say I really enjoyed it this time. Uh, So, Jay, welcome to the podcast. Andrew, lovely to be here. Thanks for inviting me along. One of the things that I actually find really interesting is that as well as being the CEO of Virgin Wines, uh, you're the CMO as well, which is is pretty unusual. Yeah, it's um, it, it wasn't so much by design, really more by by just the way things have worked out. And I I guess it, it's quite normal for yeah, I started my own business back in March 2000. When you start doing that, you do everything. So um, I was your picker and packer in the warehouse as well as uh, as well as buyer head of customer recruitment and marketing and everything else so 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 you get used to doing lots of different things sales and marketing has always been my passion i love growing businesses i love engaging with customers i love trying to put my myself in the shoes of a customer and wondering what are all the things that frustrate someone or causes friction in the relationship between a business and the customer and how do you eradicate all of those things and just make it perfect from a customer's perspective. And then when you've spent as many years as I have thinking like that, it's really quite hard almost to to hand the baton over and let somebody else come in and do that same thing. And that's more my fault than anybody else's. I think it's just there's that sort of need to meddle um, and that need to do things the way that, you know, if you have a really clear vision around how you want your marketing to be and how you want your customer communications to, um, you know, to, to, to be portrayed and, and the kind of culture that you've tried to, engender within the whole business but get that over to all of your customers too and if you've very got a very clear vision of what you want that to be it's very hard for anybody else to get that over in exactly the same way that you would do so it's really just because that's that's the way that i've always um had my role within the business is from a sort of sales and marketing perspective and therefore it's been quite natural just to just to keep keep that going and then it's all just about surrounding yourself with great people yeah, well, it's very brave of you. I, I was speaking to the CEO um, of another company, and he said he would always want a CMO, so there's someone to blame. <laughs> but I guess, you know, I, I guess you're take, taking that on your shoulders. <laughs> yeah, um, I, look, I, I, yeah, I, I, I hope you tend to have more confidence in your business than that and <laughs> around you. But, um, but look, if the worst came to the worst, I'll always find someone else to blame. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so, so what what is the structure then of the marketing team? Um, below you yeah basically what we've got is very very capable heads of individual functions within the marketing division so we've got a we've got a gentleman andy jenkins who's who's been with me actually since 2003 who's our head of director consumer marketing so he looks after all of the communications that go out to all of our customers directly we've got a we've got a new business development director who handles all of our customer acquisition so he's in charge of bringing in the 130,000 new recruits a year whatever that we try and uh, you know we try and acquire there's a head of creative who looks after the design team and all the design functions and all of obviously everything that we produce has a has a visual or creative or a brand element to it so he looks after all of that we've got a head of digital marketing who handles all of our so all the sort of digital assets that we've got including social and PPC and native and programmatic and all those other elements around and PR we'll see 
fit under um, Nathan as well. And then there's a head of e-commerce who looks after the website and all the customer journeys and optimizing every part of the customer experience online. So very capable people looking after individual functions within it. And then I guess my job is to try to set the strategy and make sure that everyone's aligned and that we've all got the same same goals and same objectives. And then those very capable, very good people work together to deliver that. And the danger with not having a CMO is that is that you don't have the time to keep people aligned and you don't have that kind of joined up feeling amongst the different marketing departments. And I'm really fortunate by having such great people and who've worked together actually for quite a long time and know each other really well and all get on superbly that that's rarely an issue for me. So quite fortunate as much as there's very good people who really independently look after their specific functions and then work it all out between themselves really into how they're going to turn that into joint marketing campaigns and joint marketing efforts that our customers obviously see the uh, the results of. Yeah. Do you know that reminds me about the story about Larry Ellison, which which may or may not be true, but he would have a, a conference every year where he would announce the marketing strategy. And every year he would say the strategy is to sell more. <laughs> but <laughs> whether that's true or not, I don't know. But yeah, just on to the brand. One of the things I think I, I find really interesting about your business is, in a way, there's two brands. There's the Virgin brand that, of course, everybody's heard of. But there's also the Virgin Wines brand, which is definitely it's definitely a separate brand, but it's also part of 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 the bigger whole. And I'm just thinking that must actually be quite quite interesting to have a brand that I guess you're sort of sharing with other businesses as, as well as having your own brand. Yeah. The- I mean, the mother brand, as it's sort of known with the with the Virgin name, obviously huge asset for us, and so um, it's, it's wonderful to have a, a global iconic brand like Virgin as the as the flagship name for our for our business. And there's a and, and whilst Virgin Group themselves don't have any shareholding or real involvement in the P and L side of our business, obviously we're very proud to have that brand, and we're we're really keen to make sure that we take on board all the brand keys from Virgin Group and. And in our own unique way, use those within, like you say, our own Virgin Wines business to be able to make sure we've got the consistency of what the Virgin Group stands for and what it believes in. And uh, and there's a huge amount of similarity, I think, between what we would want to do and what the Virgin Group would want us to do anyway. So that makes life quite easy. But then you put your own unique spill in it to make sure yeah. that it works for your sector and for your industry. And-, and do you have to run stuff by the group at all? Or No, no. I mean, if, there was, if we were going to do... A huge sponsorship deal or something which was um, which was extremely visible then then we would do out of courtesy we would work with them anyway on these things because we've got a great relationship with the team um, at Virgin and they're always always really helpful I mean they're they're there to try to help us not hinder us so yeah it's in their interest for us to do well and so they're always you know really helpful and accommodating and in things that we're trying to do but no I think I, I think what I've always loved about Virgin and it really goes back to the very early days of Virgin is the whole idea of changing business and disrupting and and, and doing things differently and working out how you can get involved in the sector and just go you know what these things these things are annoying and these things I wouldn't want to do if I was a customer. And actually, why do we do things like that? And just because people have done something for a long time in the same way doesn't necessarily make it the, you know, the, the right way to do it. So almost going in and, and let's say reinventing everything from a customer perspective and trying to do everything with that customer centric view has been how we've developed the business over the years. And that 
very much ties into how the Virgin brand has always thought about the businesses that obviously they've started over the years as well. So I think there's a real alignment again in terms of in terms of brand fit there. But we certainly try and put our own unique spin on it. And I think especially internally, you can do that because it's quite interesting is that with brands, you've got almost your internal culture and your internal sort of brand and what you stand for and what you believe in and what your values are and what your beliefs are and what your tone of voice is and, you know, all those things that we you know, your, you know, your purpose and all the rest of it that sits right in the middle of what we do, which actually in, in our case is to make people's life more enjoyable. That's our purpose. We have our brand DNA and that right in the center of that. Everything that I mean, we're lucky, we sell something that I hope people, you know, we're a good part of people's lives. I hope when that big red box turns up on someone's doorstep, that's a good part of their, of their <laughs> day. And, um, and then, uh, and then when they, um, when they start to, to get into the contents, it's an even better part. So, <laughs> so that's the, that's the aim. But certainly even, yeah, you know, internally within our business, our job is to make people's life more enjoyable. I want to be, you know, we want our colleagues to make our colleagues' lives more enjoyable. We want every phone call that we have with, with a customer or every email interaction or, Every time a customer receives part of our marketing or our communications, I want that to lighten up their day in some way, make it a, you know, a great part of their day. Because wine's such an interesting subject, isn't it? It's got yeah. so much rich content, and there's so much that you can you can either learn about or just enjoy. And really, you can decide on a scale from one to a hundred how much of that you want to you want to dig into. But our job is to be able to communicate that in a variety of different ways to suit a variety of different customers with a, a whole range of different sort of wants in terms of their wine information. We, we've tried to create a brand that's a there's no jargon or we try it's really hard with wine buyers to actually have no jargon because they've been brought up in a world of of jargon and things smelling like tar roads and you know all the rest of it and and um it as always going off on complete tangents as usual but um the thing that always used to amaze me when i've ever first started out on my wine journey uh, the buyer at the time said to me when we was trying to teach me about different grape varieties, we were drinking a South African Pinotage, and she said, smell this. Now, just it should smell of sweaty socks. And I'm like, <laughs> why, would any, why would anybody want to drink anything that, that smells of sweaty socks? Yeah, so so we try to make things a bit more appealing than that and try to use things which are a bit more down to earth because – Wine can be confusing. It can be quite, can quite intimidating. And we've all been given that big wine list in restaurants with a hundred things on it. And you just think, oh, right, I'll just look at the prices and pick the thing that's kind of not the cheapest, but yeah. not the most expensive. And, and that's not a way to pick anything in life, is it? So I think you're having really good information and in simple language and stylistic cues that mean something to you that you can then make informed decisions on is really important, especially in an, in an online world. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, tell me about it. I mean, I'm I'm trying to sell software, and the software is just, you know, it's such a horribly complicated thing to sell. Whereas, you know, at least people um, know what they should do with a bottle of wine. <laughs> You've got to hope so, haven't you? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, no, look, it's, and I think that's the thing is that when you've got to almost, I mean, there's there's the upside and downside of that because everybody's everyone's an expert as well. You know, has a has a view or an opinion whether it's a good wine, a bad wine, an okay wine. And of course, it's really so subjective and it's so up to personal opinions that. And there's wines you may like more than others and there's wines you may not like as much, obviously. But our job is to make sure everyone's a good wine and then really make it really clear whether you might like it or not. 
Yeah. So I suppose diving a bit more in, in, into the depths of marketing, then I guess, you know, on, on customer recruitment, which I guess is one of the areas that we spend most of our time thinking about. I mean, what is your sort of channel mix on that and sort of online versus offline? And I mean, again, I've certainly seen a lot of your inserts around. Yeah, it's it's difficult. It's a, it's a tag that we're trying to shrug off. It's all you don't want to be known as the business. Oh, yeah, you're the guys that send all those vouchers out, aren't you? I mean, it's not that is, it's, I mean, but it's a, it's obviously a great way to communicate with customers in the um you know at the start of their journey with us so great way to well, get we had an get episode we had an episode earlier with uh, ian morrison um who, who was at donald russell uh, and that was an, an episode largely about inserts because that was that's a real um passion of ian's yeah i know um i know ian and um and we've done quite a lot of work with donald russell over the years as well so yeah he'll be well versed in being able to give good experiences around that i'm sure he said that Virgin Wines inserts worked better than all the others, didn't he? I'm sure. Um, well, I think, <laughs> I mean, obviously, you know, a, a steak and a bottle of red is is kind of a classic combination, isn't it? It's a good mix for sure. But look, to get back to the point, we, um, yes, about 60% of our recruits come through what we call partnership activity. And that's just really teaming up and partnering with other businesses who've got sort of similar kind of demographic profile um, of a customer base to ourselves where there is some kind of obvious way where customers of that particular brand might also have an affiliation to to what we do and Donald Russell like you just said is a is a great is a great example of that isn't it because of the bottle of red and the and are you partnering with other virgin group companies then in that yeah yeah we do a lot of work across the group and I mean it's been challenging for the group the last um last year or so because obviously the amount of work with virgin holidays and virgin active and virgin atlantic and yeah it's been it's been really really tough I mean virgin as as a brand is such a experiential and and leisure and travel and kind of, you know, business and so so obviously a lot of those businesses have been um affected over the course of the last um the last 15 months but yeah we do a lot of work whether it's with virgin media or virgin money or i mean there's there's been great great campaigns with those businesses and it's one of the real benefits again of being part of the virgin family is the ability to work with other virgin businesses knowing that customers hopefully have an affiliation towards the brand anyway because they've already got an, an account or whatever with one of the other other businesses and so and you can start to see again you know people who've got three or four relationships with different virgin businesses become very virgin centric and 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 it makes it like so well, that consistency of brand voice and that consistency of brand message across those across those businesses is obviously why as a group the virgin business are really keen to keen to keep us all as aligned as possible with that but most of our like i said most of our recruits come in through a partnership with another business or another i guess with e-commerce taking off so much and there being so many e- e-com businesses out there direct to consumer businesses there's an absolute wealth of other businesses that we can team up with to um to partner and get our i mean a lot of it's not voucher now a lot of it's email led so so it tends to be a, a great offer for customers of a particular business or whatever to be able to partake in just literally with a click on the on the email that comes through rather than have to get a voucher and put in web addresses and that is really interesting because, I mean, so many of the guests I speak with are very driven by online marketing and are really mm-hmm. suffering from the price inflation that's going on, you know, in, on, on Google and, and, and Facebook. So it is actually great that you've, you've kind of got irons in, in other fires as well. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the most cost effective way for us to bring customers on board is by those relationships. And I think that what we tend to find with our partners as well is that it's the because you're because you're very clearly 
going towards the customer of another business. It's absolutely imperative that you treat that customer brilliantly, have a fantastic experience. I mean, they've been introduced, they've introduced you as a customer to us as a brand. Therefore, it's their reputation on the line as well by partnering with ourselves. So making sure that you know we really work hard with the partners to understand, you know, what are their customers like? What do we think they might, you know, right from style of wine, yeah, you know, it could be that we think that, well, actually they're going to be definitely all red lovers for, for, for that particular base, but it might be that there's a customer base where we think it'd be much more you know, fizz and white orientated or whatever. So working, really working with customers, sorry, partners to be able to make things appropriate for their customers is key, giving them a brilliant experience and almost reaffirming that relationship between the original partner and their customer through the relationship with Virgin Wines. And that's where the value gets driven much more than us saying, well, we'll give you, you know, X pounds for insertions or whatever it might be. So so I think um I think I think those relationships have been have been key in driving our success. And I know that there's huge amount of headroom in terms of what what, what we can still do in that space. But then digital marketing's becoming an even greater part of what we do to acquire customers now as well. And almost the point where PPC and and you know, sort of SEO and all those sort of traditional ways we've all talked about in terms of how to use Google. It's almost become that's become a bit antiquated now, and it is all around programmatic and native advertising and digital TV and 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 your know, connected TV and things like that. So, being um, I mean, almost the goalposts are shifting in a digital landscape so quickly. It's such an eye watering pace that things move, and keeping ahead of the the game and having. One with Google, keeping ahead of the game is always a challenge because obviously the algorithms change and making sure that we're what, what, able to yeah, do that is obviously key. And the whole paid versus organic has changed. I mean, and I'm completely dating myself here, but when I first started out, it was mainly organic results on Google with a couple of adverts on the far right. <laughs> Whereas yeah. now when you actually put a search into Google, you get a page of adverts with maybe a little bit of organic content, typically sort of below the fold. Um, it's certainly on a mobile device, it'll be below the fold. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the days of everyone putting huge amounts of money into SEO to be the number one SEO ranking on the page almost doesn't matter so much now because you're still below six other people who've paid for that space. So so suddenly now there's obviously people out there who do look for the number one organic rather than the rather than the ads. And SEO is still really important and it's you know it's key. Um, Google shopping, I think, is almost taken over to a large extent now. And you always see the amount of time and effort that's going into an expenditure that's going into making sure you've got great visibility um, in shopping as well, because that's right at the top of the page and it's where people can click and they can see a product that they want straight away. And it's almost, you've almost got that Amazon-esque view of being able to shop directly from Google for what you want on that listings page. And I think certainly from what I understand, the way that Google are moving is uh, is putting more and more emphasis on shopping um, quite considerably than even on the on the actual listings. Well, I, I believe that there has just been a partnership announced between Google and Shopify to actually allow um, some purchasing, you know, directly from the listings, Correct. which is, is is certainly something that we need to look at. Yeah. So I suppose, again, obviously, what you're selling is very much a consumable product, and certainly in my household, a product that gets consumed relatively rapidly. <laughs> so, so I, I guess this retention and and reactivation are going to be sort of pretty important for you. Yeah. There's no point acquiring all these customers if you can't retain them it's a it's an expensive exercise bringing customers on board so retaining those from a pure commercial sense retaining customers is important because that's how the business works but from a 
from, just from the view, are you doing things really well as a business and are you engaging with customers fantastically and are you bringing them into your world and making them understand what makes you different and what makes your business unique and why people should trust Virgin Wines rather than somebody else for their wine needs. I mean, it's an incredibly competitive market wine. You can buy wine from pretty much everywhere, whether it's your, your local corner shop, the supermarkets, a petrol station, obviously huge amounts of online players, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, so, so it's a really competitive landscape. And, and we have to find a way for customers to understand why buying from Virgin Wines is the best way that they can buy their wine. So retention by the very nature of it hopefully is a is a sign of whether you're doing a really good job of explaining to customers and then practically showing customers through the experience that they have with you that there's no better way to buy what they want to buy than through ourselves so i take retention yeah there's a statistic that says we retain x percentage of our customers but much more importantly is saying we must be doing something really well because we're retaining all these customers or yeah, are we not getting our messages across as well as we should be, or have we, have we got something wrong, or you know, what can we learn from from not getting as many customers? All these customers who we haven't retained for whatever reason, why haven't they? And and there's that learning, and it's always great to hear good things about your business because it's great for all of our egos to go on to Trustpilot and read all the five star reviews. But you learn more from the ones and the twos, don't you? Because because that's what we're all we're trying to do is improve. And if you can go on and work out why isn't that customer staying with us? Why haven't they bought a second case? Why haven't they, you know, why did they cancel after two years, whatever it might be, then hopefully we can keep on learning and keep improving and keep doing what we do better. And there's still, you know, we all we've always got so many ways that we can improve what we do and no business is perfect and that certainly goes for us as well and we're always going to do what we do better and, and learn and and keep on giving customers a better experience all the time and that's the key for attention if you do lose customers reactivating those customers because you're able to go back and try to work out why is again just going back and bringing another customer on and doing the same thing to them that you did last time doesn't sound very bright in my view because you'll probably end up with the same result at the end of that and they'll they'll take the cheaper case when they first come on and then they'll decide they're going to use one you've got to go through a process of going why did that customer not want to stay with us last time around and how can we change the experience for them this time to be able to hopefully show them all the great reasons why they will want to stay as loyal advocates of Virgin Wines moving forward. And, and again, that's the detail, isn't it? And, 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 and as a business, an online business, an e-com business that has so much data and so much information about customers, you can either use that and try to make sure that you're giving customers really relevant, personal, targeted experiences, which is what you've got to do if you're going to make sure that you're communicating in a really appropriate fashion, or you can just go and say, well, actually, all that data we've got, we're not going to use correctly, and we're just going to still send the same old stuff to the same old people in the same way and hope some of it sticks. And that would be a real waste, wouldn't it, of the opportunity that we have as a business to be able to understand people's motivations and understand what customers want from us and then be able to deliver them that. Right, that, that's, that sounds great. And um, what are your plans for the future? Well, we're going to keep on doing more of what we're already doing, and that's bringing on, hopefully, large numbers of new customers and giving them a fantastic experience in terms of um, in terms of all our different customer propositions and how they can buy wine from us. But we're also really excited about the growth that we've seen in the in the craft beer and the craft spirit sectors um, over recent years. And we did a lot of research with our customers, a lot of customer insight, in terms of how many of our customers also bought beer, also bought what bought spirits and We've obviously got a lot of customers who've got a very healthy interest, not just in wine, but also in some of those other adjacent um, product categories too, because we got some sort of 90 odd percent numbers back from people who are buying gins or, you know, whiskies or 
beers or whatever. About a year and a half ago, we dipped our toe in the water with that just to see how those categories might go to our existing base. And they've been really popular. Um, feedback around the products that we've brought on board have been, uh, has been superb to the point where, you know, we're launching standalone businesses now to really drive what we're doing in terms of our, the beer category and the spirit category. And we're, we're really excited. I mean, there's so much innovation in beer and, and spirits, wonderful packaging, you know, great MPD going on, huge amounts of different styles. I think as you probably know, Andrew, you know, we're, uh, we, we've built our wine range and our wine reputation up on exclusive product where we get data and information from customers. Um, in terms of what they love, you know, about the wines and maybe what they don't like so much. And then our wine buyers go out and bespoke and blend the wine specifically for the taste of our customers. And that's why we're able to do what we do so well. And we'll use that same process with our spirits and beers and have a ex- you know, complete exclusive category of beers, a completely exclusive category of spirits, where we're taking all of that data and information we get from customers about what they love um, what they want more of and what they want less of. And then we'll go out and we'll work with, you know, the top quality distillers, top quality brewers in the same way we do with top quality winemakers to produce a huge range of products that customers are going to love, I hope, and that they can't get from anywhere else. And if you can't get from them from anywhere else, hopefully people will love them enough to come back and get them again from us. And that's, that's the plan. So we're really excited about what we can do with beers and spirits. And we also have a really thriving gift business too. And we, you know, we want to be the interflora of the drinks world. So, uh, so, so we've got some, we've got some great plans around that. That's already a really successful business and about five million pounds of what we do at the moment. And so, so we're really keen to, to build on that as well. Well, thank you very much for sharing the story, and it certainly put me in the mood for a glass. So, thank you, Jay. I'll make sure we get a case out to you straight away, Andrew. So <laughs> with you this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you would like to increase your open rates, that's email open rates, not um, wine bottle open rates, which I can assure are quite high, <laughs> then please try Machine Labs. Um, we're available on the Shopify App Store or on the API if you have your own platform. See you all next week on The Joy of Marketing. <laughs>